Okay, hi everybody, welcome back We're to- We're back in the saddle again! The Adventure Zone. That was rough uh, for me, so I can't imagine how it was for you. We're back in the saddle again. Justin, do you have anything you want to sort of say? To- I was just kind of trying to let you do your thing. Oh, damn, dude. That's really solid of you. Um, this is the <laughs> setup episode for the new mini arc that we're doing, the next mini arc that I'm going to be running uh, that I'm very excited about and... Um, I'm I'm just so stoked to get started because we're playing a game called Monster of the Week, um, which was, I guess we should talk about what we're doing in this episode. We're really just going to be talking a little bit about the game, what sort of the inspirations for the the, the setting and the this these few episodes that I have prepared are. You guys are going to talk about your, your characters, and that's pretty much going to be it. Um, but you all have read the, 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 the full manual, the full revised edition manual. Of Monster of the Week by Michael Sands, right? You all did your your homework. Uh, yes. Okay, good. Um, I actually made myself a ten page uh, shortened down version of everything I needed to know. A quick reference guide. If there you actually know. is a reference guide. There's that, a printable reference. There is guide. a printable reference guide, but that's very cool. It. That no, it's good that you did the. You know, no, you showed your work. Don't um, patronize me. In fact, wait, book. I left my printable reference guide on the printer, so you guys just talk amongst yourselves. Okay. okay. Well, we're not actually going to be playing any of this episode. That will be for next week's episode, because, by the way, we are going weekly for the rest of the experimental arc starting Woo-hoo! this week. So, um, I guess, actually, we Hope had an episode. we don't screw it up. Yeah. No, me too. I don't know why you would even say that. Um, so, let's get started. Monster of the Week is a, a game sort of modeled after, appropriately enough, like Monster of the Week shows like uh, Buffy and Supernatural, uh, in which uh, in each sort of arc, there is a monster that a team of hunters has to hunt down. Um, it is a game that is part of the Powered by the Apocalypse system, which, if you listen to the Balance arc, is sort of what I based the Stolen Century uh, episodes on. Uh, it is a very... Uh, it's sort of like the D20 system, right? That, that covers a lot of different games like D&D and Pathfinder. Uh, it is sort of just like a broad rule set that you can put a bunch of different stuff on top of to make it fit whatever genre you want it to fit. And there's a ton of very cool games uh, that that use the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Uh, I was inspired to do uh, an Apocalypse game uh, because of one of my favorite podcasts, Friends at the Table, which has done a bunch of really cool ones in sci-fi worlds and fantasy worlds and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, but Monster of the Week is sort of this, this Monster of the Week sort of horror, but like campy horror uh, thing that's going on here. And... Um, the, the basic rule that covers pretty much everything in uh, in Monster of the Week and all the Apocalypse games is that whenever something comes up that is not, like, an automatic thing, like it's something that is dangerous or uh, a, a conflict or something that would be covered by, like, a D&D move, like, oh, you have to roll a perception check if you want to actually notice that thing. Um, all that stuff is in here, but instead of rolling a 20-sided dice, you roll two six-sided dice – and then one of three things happens. Either you roll a six or below, and you have fucked up. You have <laughs> fucked up now, and something goes horribly wrong, uh, sort of at uh, my discretion. I'll be uh, GMing this game. They actually call the GM in this game the Keeper, which is like, 
so great to me that the the fiction of the game extends into like out out of the game like stranger things style um so six or below is a miss a seven and nine is a mixed success where you get to do the thing you want to do but usually there is a uh, a cost and then a 10 plus is you crush it and you get to do what you want to do and usually it's just all great um, one uh one one cool thing to note about getting a bad roll is if you get one of those six or below you get an experience point that's true love it low that's neat. Yeah, we learn the, from our failures. Thank you, Travis. It's beautiful. Yes. There, there, this is a game of small numbers for the most part, which is it's something that I think is going to be really, really great for us because we would get lost in the, the weeds with a lot of the math of of D anD D things like you know adding up you know six D ten for or ten D six for a big fireball or something like that. Um, that's that's not really true here. The margins are much smaller. If like if you land an attack, you know how much damage it does, and it's usually like two or three, and yeah, that's I, about I as high like as it ever the, gets. The bonuses, like the things that you add to rolls, I think the highest it goes is plus three, and the lowest that's it goes it. is negative that's, two. Everybody so. ha- to 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 really uh, make this concrete. Everybody has seven hit points. End of story. Everybody has seven hit points. If you lose them all, you die. Like it, it is a game that I think is going to be, a but lot not more really. I mean, you don't really die, right? Not IRL. Like, yeah, n- it, this isn't like mazes and monsters or whatever the shit. No, you'll be fine. Yeah, we're not sort called sort of Jumanji. Online. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we managed to pull three different. If you die in the game, you die in real life things out there. So it, it's a rich tapestry. Um, but yeah, the, the the margins are are a lot smaller, which I think is going to be like a lot more digestible but also makes things like a lot more meaningful if you get hit by a monster for uh you know three harm big monster gets its claws in you for three harm that's almost half your health you cannot take a lot more than that uh or or else things start to get very very bad it also if i read it correctly does away with the concept of defense if you are in if you engage in a fight you and the and it goes even if it goes well you and the monster are both going to do harm to yeah, each other. Yeah, so let's get let's get into that. Um, this game yes. has a uh, it, it handles most of its action through what it calls moves, and these this is uh, these are eight basic moves that cover more or less every action that a player could take in the game, right? And this is a this is a very conversational game. We are going to talk about the things that happen, and it is only when you all are describing the hunter's actions uh, when it becomes apparent that what you are describing is covered by one of these moves, that's when we get into one of those moves. If at any point during this you say um, I want to kick some ass, which is the name of one of the moves, you've you so have good. you fucked up because you should be saying like I take my gun and you know I'm doing this or I get my big sword and I want to ram it through and then I, it is my job to say okay that's a kick some ass roll and then we well, do that that's one of the things I really like so for example one of the uh one of the moves is help out yeah and you can't just say like I want to help out it's, you have to be able to yeah. say like this is the action I want to take. This is what I have in mind, and it is governed by like logic. You know what I mean? So I can't be like I want to help out by it, it, pulling ooh, the sun logic. down. Yeah. <laughs> if you try to if you try to play this like a uh, a game that you're trying to win constantly, I I do not think it's going to work. If Justin rolls a six 
and neither of you are like anywhere close to him and but you really want to get him up to that seven and so you're like oh can i think of some way to bullshit this so that it can help out like no it it, it there are going to be lots of failures in this game and lots of mixed successes in this game and that's that's what makes this stuff like so so interesting and it's what gives this game kind of a sense of danger i don't think that we're going to get to this point in this mini arc but one of the things that i think is cool about this game is players like because of how uh like narrow the margin of error is in fights for instance uh like death is like pretty common like uh not not as much as some of the like lovecraftian rpgs where it's like oh no and then you were you evaporated again but it it is it is common and there are systems for retiring your characters and rolling new ones and then giving yeah. that character over to the to the keeper uh to use in in whatever story in whatever way they want which i think is really cool there's, there's also, also a mechanics for reviving people bring people there are yeah which which has a uh has a huge cost if it is a direction you want to go down and you decide like oh i'm not done with this character yet i want to keep doing stuff with them you can do what's called big magic uh which has like a like as is always sort of the folk tale, like a a, a horrible cost most of the time. There's a I, lot of that. I, I do flavor. love too that there's a once you get enough experience levels, you can opt to create a second character and play both of them at the same time. Yeah, that would be a little. It's a little, it's a little much. Can I read through the actions real quick, Ditto, just to give people an idea? Yeah, real, real quick, on. and we'll give like quick summaries because this is if it, it, it's going to be a lot real fast. But then like take take heed, like it's literally all it is for the most part. Yeah, so. Uh, the first one is Act Under Pressure. This one's uh, great because it covers pretty much a lot of stuff. Um, I, I One thing to keep in mind is the Keeper never roll... I will never roll dice in this game. I will only respond to your successes and your failures, and I can take either what are called soft moves, which is like establishing a danger that can like uh, pose a threat to you uh, and, and set you up to sort of take a move to, to do something to stop that threat. Or I can take hard moves, which is like, I hurt you or I do something bad to you because you have failed somehow. Other than that, like we don't roll in combat to like contest each other. You roll. And if you succeed, you succeed. And if you fail, you fail. And that's literally it. But act under pressure is that same idea. But like, if you're in a burning building or you're trying to sneak through a laboratory or you're trying to, you know, find the right key to unlock your car while the monster is charging you, all of that stuff is covered under this one move in a really, like, graceful way, I think. And you add your cool score to that, which is not, like, Fonzie cool, but, like, keep your cool kind of it thing. It could be Fonzie cool. I guess it could be Fonzie cool. Uh, the, hey. next one is, the next one is help out, which pretty much just like it sounds, if you want to help another player out. Yes. another hunter out you would roll this um it that does not stack no, so no you, you can, can only... only add one to their roll what's great about that one is if you fail or get a mixed success you open yourself up to repercussions to like the same rep so you can help out yeah but you are also exposing yourself to danger which is real smart uh investigate a mystery which is pretty much like your insight checks your investigation checks um and what's cool about that is what you earn when you get uh, 10 or above, or 7 or 9, you earn what's called holds. And in Investigative Mystery, the holds will let you ask these questions, one hold per question. Yeah, it's codified. There are specific questions you ask, like, what what can the monster do? Yeah, and so it's what happened here, what sort of creature is it, what can it do, what can hurt it, where did it go, 
what was it going to do and what is being concealed here this is um, this is uh something really important to understand about this game is that it, the pacing of it is going to be different um in that most of the time it's really just the one big monster that you're trying to hunt down it's not like you're going to be fighting through a dungeon full of skeletons and a bunch of mini bosses before you get to the, like a lot of the game is talking to people and investigating and learning uh the monster's weakness which is a like actual mechanic if you don't hurt the monster with its weakness you can't actually kill it uh so like gathering information is the and and setting up your plan is the bulk of the game uh because if you don't do that stuff you will get killed like guarantee guarantee this cannot be a magnus wretches in style adventure because magnus would be destroyed um, by, um, by this stuff. The next one is kick some ass, which is pretty much just like it's fighting. It's when you, hell yeah, it's fighting. But like you talked about earlier, it is fighting with damage on both ends, no yes. matter what. And there can be situations where you get the drop on somebody, and so you it's not a kick some ass. You just hurt them. Uh, but in a, like you're hurting me, I'm hurting you. That's a kick some ass roll. Um, then there's manipulate someone, which is kind of like a will contest of trying well, it's to like get charisma. To do someone what? It's like charisma. I- I think yeah. it's not it's not particularly useful I think to keep filtering these through Dungeons and Dragons. That's fair. Lore. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, it's more useful I think to use a fictional counterpart of like it's it's going into the the demon bartender. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, that's that's forcing fair. him to tell you what Yeah, you that makes sense. Know. Um then there's protect someone which pretty much is out, like it sounds like is is preventing harm and but in doing so you take the harm. Yeah, or if you fail, you make things much worse for both of you. Yeah, the collateral damage in these 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 uh, moves is like so tasty. Um, and then the last one's use magic. Well, uh, there's it, also read a bad situation. Read a bad situation, which is like uh, you know feeling that something's off and like your spider sense is tingling a bit. Uh, use magic is neat because there's like. Uh, a bunch of different like effects you can do with magic, like enchant a weapon or uh, it, it, it's not like a list of spells. It's like a list of things you can kind of do with magic, like restrain an enemy. It's very sort of like um, uh, very sort of broad effects that you can do, which then you have to describe when you are casting this magic. Uh, and like, like every other move, there are really, really interesting ways that this can go horribly, horribly wrong if you if you roll poorly, um, which I guess we're going to get into when we start playing the game, because at least oh, yeah, we'll, def- a magic, we'll definitely roll a magical poorly. one. Oh, yeah, I guarantee we'll roll poorly. Um, so those are the moves. It's it's uh, whenever we're talking about what we're doing, it's one of those things. Um, on top of that, there are different uh, what are called playbooks. And these are tantamount to classes in other RPGs, uh, where there are these archetypes that are modeled after like the kind of characters you expect to see in in one of these like shows, like Buffy and, and, and Supernatural. Uh, and there are some really really cool ones in here. I won't go over the ones you guys did, but like there is the uh, Divine, which is like somebody with like uh, holy origins, like maybe a literal angel. Uh, there's the expert who's kind of like the the Giles. 
um, the flake who is sort of like the, I, I don't know the right sort of comparison here, but like, you know, the weirdo in town, it's, it's the lone gunman from the X Files. Yeah, sure. Uh, like the initiate who's a part of this secret order, uh, the monstrous who's actually half monster, the mundane, which I think is the most interesting one in the game, uh, because it's somebody who doesn't have powers, but they have like, uh, moves that help the other players out when they get like kidnapped by the monster. It is it's like the Xander of the the team, which I think is is really fun. So there's a bunch of cool ones, but let's uh, talk really quick about your characters. Or should we talk about like the world first? What well, my you... character's name Magnus Burnside. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, the fighter. I... I think, why don't we talk about the world first? Yeah, I think we talked too much uh, in, in our last setup episode. I think we might have talked too much about our characters uh, rather than letting them. Although that said, we didn't have a ton of time to like yeah. get into yes. a lot of the backstory and, uh, stuff. That, that said, we're going to, because we had this question during uh, the, the Adventure Zone Zone when we uh, did that at PodCon, and it, it got me thinking. Uh, the question was something like, do you think that it harmed something that you had your characters way more fleshed out? for way fewer episodes than you did in balance where like their evolution was sort of more natural. And I think there's a middle ground there. And that middle ground is like, I don't want to know everything about your characters. I don't, I don't want to. In fact, at this point, I, we have not all talked together about our characters at the same time. There may be things that we need to like workshop here in this episode, but I, I, I don't, um, I don't want us to over, overextend ourselves. I just want to know like, broad sort of things about your character what inspired you to make this character and like what we absolutely need to know about them before we get into the first episode um ditto why don't you give us the setting yeah so i wanted and also the tone give us the setting and the tone. the tone is like really i i've in talking to you guys about your characters i feel like i've been sort of um impossible in talking about the tone because i i you may be listening to this and thinking that I'm wanting to do like a straight up and down like horror story. And that is not really what interests me about this game. Um, so, so the game is uh, going to take place in a fictional uh, ski town uh, on the Eastern edge of West Virginia uh, in the uh, Monongahela national forest. By the way, did you guys know it's pronounced like that and not Monongalia? I thought it was Monongalia. Well, Wait, so there's a Monongalia County in West Virginia, and that's where, like, Morgantown is. And apparently they just, right. like, spelled it wrong once, and we're like, cool, that's the name of the county, but it's Monongahela. There's a there's a real quick, I don't want to go, like, too deep down the rabbit hole, but there's a real place in West Virginia called Green Bank. It's where there is a thing called the Green Bank Telescope, which is actually the world's largest, like, movable radio telescope. And it's in West Virginia, uh, and it's it's in this thing called the United States National Radio Quiet Zone, which covers a, a pretty actually huge section of West Virginia and Virginia and Maryland where you, like, can't... There's, like, five radio stations for the whole area, and there's restrictions on Wi-Fi. Um, and this idea of this, like, highly advanced sort of thing in the middle of of very, very low population area of West Virginia was really interesting to me. So so Kepler's kind of close 304, to baby! All right. okay. to, that's something I'm trying to get started. That's, it's also the 681 now. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of actually different area codes. Shit. Um, so Kepler is, like I mentioned, a ski town, uh, but 
in in the fiction of this story, it's kind of like a that that ness, that that part of the once thriving economy of Kepler is now like dying off because of Snowshoe, which is another actual town in West Virginia that is more like resorty and nice, and people now go there and not Kepler, and so like that part of the economy is kind of fading away, and so the 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 residents of Kepler kind of banded together to to try to find some way to keep the town alive and there's lots of different ways to do that like it's a very uh like it's a very pretty very scenic place and so there's there's hiking trails and and stuff like that um but there's also sort of a a part of the population that in an effort to save kepler sort of turn it into a cryptozoological destination uh, there it it's there are real places in West Virginia and Justin I feel like you have more experience with this where there, it's just like oh come on down to uh you know the the Sasquatch zone come on down to there's there's places well, po- Point Pleasant has the Mothman, Mothman. the Mothman, Mothman. yeah there's, yeah. there's Larry, Larry Mothman there's there's a lot of like cryptid activity and I feel like that's interesting in the causes for it are so interesting but also what if it was all real. And that is sort of what what this story is loosely going to be based on. Um, I have a lot of stuff here about like the geography of Kepler. It's a ski town. There's like a funicular connecting like the uh, top side of town where there's like Benicula? lodge fin- funicula funicular funicula funicity funicula. Charles and I are making a lovely funicula joke. Yes. Okay. There's a cable joke, car. Joke is a very strong. Yeah, and, yeah. and I have to warn you. Here's a little spoiler. It's not the only Benicular reference I'm going to make in this episode. Okay. Wow! Wow! Look forward to that. Well, Lots I have to, to make come. sure not to even come close to setting you up for that. Um, but yeah, if you've ever been so to like, anyway, the celery stalks at midnight. And <laughs> um, if you if you've ever been to like a ski town, like imagine imagine that like kind of small. I don't have like an exact population in mind, but like uh, sort of alpine two. alpine two Eight. people, uh, like alpine inspired architecture, but just like not very active like there's probably some shuttered swiss inspired chalets that just like nobody goes goes in anymore um there's also uh an inn in this town that is going to be kind of the focal point for the story but uh i won't go too much deeper into that but to circle back to like the tone i wanted to tell a story about Griffin, like you can't just tease me like that let me know there's no, an in in this story there's a very well, 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 very well, faithful sexy in. details you're trickling out Hold on, guys. The new Starlog magazine just showed up. Front page cover. There's a N with a question mark on it. N? Tell us more. I could say more about the N. I just didn't want to spoil. Whoa! Anything. Don't know. I can't handle it right now, Griffin. I need to get on my blogs. <laughs> like we're having a lot of fun speculating over here. I wonder what Mark Hamill says about the the N. Back back in the the eighties, he was like, "There'll never be an N. I'll never do an N." And then he does an N. <laughs> Um, We've told uh, our story. It's had an ending. That's it. I wanted to tell a story like about like com- community and sort of r- rural communities and the banding together uh, that that they sometimes have to do against r- like actual real forces, whether it be like you know predatory uh, uh, entities trying to take advantage of them or you know ruin their ruin their town. Um, but also have that be like, what if the, what if monsters was that? Um, so that is kind. Of, obviously, it's like also kind of an idealized rural life. Like it's, I want this to be a very nice community, a very good community. Because I also think that in putting monsters in that particular kind of community, like it gives you a little bit more to fight for. 
not necessarily um, Bedford Falls, but you know, get getting there. So is, it, is the town itself a little spooky, like Twin Peaks, or is it like maybe in the way that Twin Peaks is spooky, which is to say that I think if you just look at Twin Peaks and you remove all the music and all the cream corn from it, like it actually looks like just a nice nice place um there are lots of pine trees in kepler so i I guess it maybe has that in common with it how much cream corn uh i mean the the good kind just regular cream corn not garment bush are there poplar are there poplar trees in kepler mostly pines mostly pines um because poplar are the most popular in kepler i was gonna say oh jesus i was gonna say that and then you still did oh i did didn't i um, there's also like a, uh, a biome diversity, like there's, you know, a ski mountain and the Monongahela woods on the edge of town and the Greenbrier river, uh, to the, to the South and, um, a biodome, a sort of biodome, if you will. Also, the Pollock Shore's not there, is he? Uh, maybe. Also the U S national radio quiet zone gives me a way to write out cell phones, yeah, from the story, great. which is going to be, I think, sort of helpful for create. I I feel like a lot of stuff back in like Buffy days would just be like, oh well, just call them, and now yeah, all the don't dramatic go in there. Gone. There's a vampire. Yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah, shit. How am I going to play Solitarica? Yeah. Well, you can play <laughs> oh, that just without you know yeah. a signal. You just got to download it before you go. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, I by the way, because this is a former ski town, I'm I'm profoundly disappointed that none of you made like. A, a snowboarder bro named like Jake Cool Ice who just came here to carve shit up. Well, it's not hey, too late. You guess, can create NPCs, dude. Oh yeah, I mean Jake Cool Ice is going to be there, episode one. Um, so to the extreme. That is it. Uh, there's yeah, that's a really good Jake Cool Ice impression. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's there's a lot more, but I do not want to. Uh, for the first time, like I used one big WordPad document to organize everything for balance and now i'm using scrivener so it's like i actually i feel like i have the whole world at my fingertips which is very exciting but i don't want to go too much deeper uh because i think that we should talk about your characters now who wants to go first i will okay um i'm going with uh the crooked the uh the crooked is basically a, a criminal a former criminal, sort of the it, not. It doesn't have to be a criminal. It's sort of like the shady rogue like class. Yeah, uh, what's his face from uh, Fringe? Yeah, the, Peter, Peter. Yeah, Peter, who right. you know maybe has like been a con man in the past, or uh, maybe straight up a thief or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. Well, my character is um, is Edmund Chicane. Uh, it goes by Ned, and uh, Ned uh, owns a uh, a roadside cryptid museum, <laughs> kind of a tourist trappy kind of uh, kind of place. Uh, it's called uh, he's named it the Cryptonomica. Crypto. That is. Oh, Dad, that is like fucking. I feel like I just ate a big spoonful of honey listening to that. That is the tastiest shit ever. He uh, he hasn't he hasn't lived here very long, but he's lived here for a a, a couple of years. I I think he's uh, I, and when I picture him, I'm picturing probably the greatest actor who ever lived, and that of course is Mr. Brian Blessed. Um, he's kind of a big guy. He's I mean. 
uh, kind of a barrel-y kind of... Did he play the Ghost of Christmas Present? No, well, he was he was King Volko on uh, Flash Gordon. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. Remembers. There's literally right. nothing. Ex- I'm going through this IMDb. Folks listening at home, trust me, I'm on your side. I'm going through the IMDb trying to find... Oh, he was in the... He played Boss Nass. Well, wait, that was yeah. a big alien, though. You couldn't really see him, I don't think. No, but if you look at Brian Blessed's IMDb, he's he's a great character, and uh, that's kind of what uh, kind of Ned is. So big Ned bushy, has big this... bushy beard. Big bushy beard. He was he was Colonel Gonville Toast on Toast of London. Oh um, yeah 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 yeah. That's yeah. We'll go to, with it. That's nothing to so many people. At... He plays the voice of Santa Claus in the Amazing World of Gumball. You all know. You all know. He's, Brian Blessed. He's Grampy Rabbit on Peppa Pig. Okay. Um, big, but <laughs> you didn't, you avoided the question about the big bushy beard. Um, yeah. Let's okay. go with big bushy beard. I mean, I'm just looking at pictures of Brian Blessed. He doesn't not have a beard in any of them. Right. He's the voice so, of Clayton in the Disney Tarzan. Okay, we're done talking about Brian Blessed's storied career. <laughs> Brian Blessed. Now you know what he, and so uh, Ned has this. This museum, uh, all about cryptids, the the cryptids in the area, and uh, that's all I'm ready to say about him right now. Just to, because uh, I, I do want to talk about the the, the playbook. Um, so, the, so the playbook gives you basically a couple more moves, usually on top of the basic stuff, but they are very situation specific things, right? So which there are, uh, for the Crooked, there are, like, crime backgrounds that kind of right. give some flavor to your character, like... Uh, Ned, Ned, Ned is a grifter. Okay, uh, I, was, I was assuming he wasn't an assassin, <laughs> which is one no, of them. There is a, they are, there is a certain level of, uh, of uh, sham built into this, right, this sure. whole mu- museum thing. Uh, not that it wouldn't be useful, but it, it may be full of... All kinds of helpful stuff, but he doesn't know it. I love he that. Does. That when you told me this angle, like that is what stood out to me. Is like the best shit. Is there's a guy who runs a curio museum that he thinks everything in it is bullshit when actually some of it is right, real, and that's and- kind of, that's kind of what's going on with Ned. He knows all about it because. You know, it's it's not like they've got a lot of entertainment options. So he's actually read every book in the place, and he's looked at all the stuff. He just doesn't believe it, and he doesn't know what's what's powerful or not powerful. I also love, like I talked about, like Kepler has these different sort of things that people are doing to try to keep the town going, since nobody really comes there to ski and stay in their resorts or anything anymore. Um, and I like this idea of like, there are some people in town who are just like, come to Kepler. We got a beautiful river trail you can walk down. And you can hike through the the woods and rest up in one of our nice places. And then there's also a group of people who are like, we got Bigfoot. And the friction between those two <laughs> who are like, hey, uh, can you please stop telling everybody we have Bigfoot? Because we're trying to get people to come and hike in the woods and stuff. Like like the people who probably work at the Roswell Art Museum. Yeah, like, come on. We got... You guys shut up! Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's also moves. Every class has, like, special yeah. moves. Um, and there's I, some... I got I got one I, I picked. I want a driver. Driver, I'm, okay. I, I, want him, uh, I want him to be a, a driver because I figured there are going to be times maybe where we need to, to travel, maybe not much. Uh, but I had this. I, I've already figured out. I want him. I want him to drive a 1958 Lincoln Continental Mark III. I'm gonna. This have to, is, you know, I'm gonna have to Google that. I'll Google it because it is the the uh, m- uh, most trunk space of any 
American-made vehicle oh, in Jesus history. Christ, this car! So I'm, I'm looking with all this trunk space Is to this haul a drop gear. Top convertible. Yeah, it, they came in both a hard top and a convertible, rag top and a and a hard top. So we, we can figure that out. But I want him tooling around in this gigantic car with this humongous trunk to haul stuff in. Okay, and. And according to the game, since I get to pick out two vehicles... You do get two vehicles if you go with driver. I have a second vehicle, and so i uh, he's going to have an Alpina Super Class. Uh, 1.2. It's got a 12-valve engine. 1.2 what? It's yeah. one, I don't know. Gigahertz it just says 1.2. Of PVT. This is a snowmobile that has three... It's a snowmobile that has three seats on the back, which is... It has three seat. It hauls a three seat trailer and has three seats on the main thing. It goes up to forty miles an hour. Jesus, Chad, why didn't you just get like an invisible jet? So he's got these two vehicles. I figure he can do a lot of tooling around and and be the chauffeur. And the other one I really wanted to go with was Artifact. Okay, yeah, I think uh, that makes the most sense. The thing is, if he has an artifact, he just doesn't know. He doesn't it know that it's a, so. This is a magic artifact, and you get to basically build it from a list, so you can give yourself protective armor or uh, a skeleton key that opens any magically sealed lock. It's like a bunch of different effects, but you don't know <laughs> that it does these things. Probably That's it. at the in beginning keeping, of the game. In keeping in keeping with Ned's story, he does not know. That's very good. You know that it has the power. This is a. So I think this is going to be like a. I feel like a really it, this is the character that has me like excited for all the different ways to have you interact with with like this feels the most like lived in you are a resident of of this town and there's like a lot of different uh like friction and and stuff between and you and the town like I think this is going to be really cool. Um so just remember just visualize Peppa Pig's grandfather. Yes. Perfect. Uh Travis, you go next. Um my character uh, she is a spell slinger named Lady Flame. Well, what's her real name? Uh, well, her real name is Aubrey Little. Okay. Um, she is a magician. Lady, pronounce it. Is it Lady Flame or Lady Flame? It's <laughs> it's the Lady Flame. Okay. You know, I'm trying to look at it. As it's much more magical. It's not. It, you know, she's the you basically, lady. Travis wanted to play a magical one, and so he picked the most magical class and made it the most magical magic it could possibly magic. Anyway, this is this yeah. is Travis's repressed like desire to use magic in a game, uh, it, sort of manifest. Anyway, what? she lo- she runs the local pet salon. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, so she is a, a magician, uh, up and coming. Um, like a stage ma- magician? Yes, a stage magician. I-, I was really hesitant about allowing you to do this, because, again, like I wanted more grounded characters in a more real-world feel. But then I remembered when we were at Max FunCon East in that, that uh, resort in the Poconos, there was a magician who like was playing in the lobby. Like, I feel like that's not that weird when somebody's on the starting circuit, that they're yeah. not doing big shows. They're like playing in the lobbies of hotels and stuff. Also, her style is very, like goth punky magician and i think that my my concept for it is that it's a little off-putting to people who expect like a female magician to be kind of in like tights and a sparkly vest you know yeah not that Um, there's anything i mean that is a specific style of it feels weird to like slam that in any way because it's not at all a specific like way of performing yeah yeah um, and so, uh, she's, yeah, so she's kind of, uh, goth punk 
kind of look with just a sick undercut. You know what I mean? Just a really cool, like, pompadour undercut. Her hair is amazing. She's got some facial piercings in there. Yeah. Really cool. Really badass. We should make one one thing kind of clear is that, and this is something that we talked about. I don't know where you are at on it now, but this, 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 this like, pilot arc is kind of going to be like, uh-oh, my magic is real. Like, Yes, absolutely. Currently... She does not know that she has access to any kind of actual magic. So her magic is all, like, sleight of hand. She specializes in, like, pyrotechnic sleight of hand. Of, you know... Like, so, like, you know, Job, Job with the, like, just lighter fluid shooting yeah, out over somebody's so. shirt? So, basically, <laughs> what I pictured was she has, like, these gloves that very much like the Flame Alchemist in uh, Full Metal Alchemist, like, have, you know, kind of a flint kind of thing so she can snap her fingers... To make so basically, there's a reason for this. Um, one of the moves of the spell slinger is tools and technique. So you have four options: uh, consumables, foci, gestures, and incantations. And you have to have access to three of them, or you take a penalty. Yeah, to you, your, your spells get fucked up, and and this is a really elegant way of doing something that we never did in D&D, which is in D&D, you remember there were, like, somatic spells and, uh, like, verbal spells, and you had components, and you had different... Like, this is that same thing, but boiled down to, like, oh, you can cast it, but if you don't have your... Right. One of your things, and you take a penalty to it. So that's why, like, her gloves are her foci. Okay, I'm into that. And, and like, the consumables are, like, the flammable liquid and, you know, certain, like, shavings of very flammable metal, that kind of thing. And her gestures are all of the things that she has worked in, the flourishes, the yeah. sleight of hand, all of that. So I'm basing what will eventually be her actual magic around those same things. Cool. Um, She is a... Her combat magic is blast-based. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about this. So, so you get to basically build your main combat spell when you go as a spell slinger. You went with blast and fire, and I think you did that just so you could get the most damage out of your attacks. Because no, that was just my style of, like... Well, because it's also very... Uh, so the different attacks have different qualities, and so, like, hers is obvious and loud, and that just made the most sense to me mm. of, like, the character I was building. And also, right now, especially I was thinking because she's going to have so little control over it, fire magic inherently has a lot of glitches and stuff that go with it of it being very dangerous. It spreads, and yeah. it, it, this is it, keep in mind, every time Travis attacks with this stuff, he's going to roll, and him basically creating a controlled explosion of fire every time he attacks, if he ever fucks up, is going to put a huge flaming arrow in my quiver yep. that I can, I can and fair warning absolutely will use against you guys yeah so basically I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think a lot of like a character in which like entropy and like chaos springs forth like both in personality and in her combat style um, i'm also very into dropping a character like that into a quaint rural yep. like town i i think that again there's like some friction there that i think can be very cool. I, I think we'll have to work to make sure that it, it never gets sort of, like, tonally weird. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, my, my thinking was just to justify it. I think that her family is not necessarily from the area of Kepler, but, like, 
somewhere in the Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky region. I'm thinking of this 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 character as sort of the audience surrogate, at least in the pilot, and that she is not she's the only character, as far as I know, who doesn't like live in Kepler and is not Correct. from Kepler. Yeah, and so like, like just I can introduce the town to the audience through through uh Aubrey. And most importantly, I think, is that her traveling companion is a 10-pound New Zealand rabbit named Dr. Bonkers. <laughs> All right. And what class is Dr. Bonkers? Well, Dr. Bonkers is a white rabbit uh, with red eyes, very much like Bonicula. Okay. Excellent. Ah, um, there it is. Yeah. He's, he's uh, of the, the wronged uh, playbook. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, his he's, whole family uh, was murdered by vampires. Monstrous. He's, yeah. he's monstrous. Oh, um, don't give me that. I'll use that. You know no. I'll use that. He is is uh, formerly a laboratory experiment that uh, 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 rabbit that she rescued through semi uh, questionable means, perhaps. All right. Um, and Doctor Bonkers, his first name is Harris. Doctor Harris Bonkers <laughs> travels with her now. Um, and there's nothing special about him other than the fact yeah. that he's awesome. I'm going to make the I'm friend. going to make the rabbit something. Oh, uh, maybe someday. But right now, no, very he's quickly. Just I'm Dr. Gonna Harris the, Bonkers. No, I'm going to give the rabbit superpowers. Okay. Well, he has a PhD in philosophy. Uh, Justin, you want to start tell, talking about your character and interrupt Travis? Yeah. So uh, my character is named Duck Newton, and he is uh, the chosen. Justin, you're uh, so fucking good at naming characters. That's very good. <laughs> I tried so hard. I went with the Lady Flame, and I was like, ah, got it. And then you're fucking Fig Newton or whatever. Duck <laughs> Newton. Duck. Juice Newton. Duck. Duck Newton is Duck's his nickname. Um, the uh, uh, um, he's the chosen, and Griffin initially sort of tried to ward us off of this because yeah, there were two playbooks I didn't want you to use, and it was the chosen and the 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 wronged because the wronged was so grim dark, like you're it literally is your family's murdered, and so now you're this rebel without a cause, and that feels way off tone. But the- yeah, so. So ducks a uh, uh, the the ducks the chosen, but uh, he the thing about duck is he he, he didn't uh, I guess um, he started having the when he was a younger man he started having sorts of visions and nightmares that sort of led him to uh, what his sort of like destiny was to to fight back some unnamed evil. And uh, he he ran from that destiny. He he avoided it at all costs. He wanted to. He was scared, basically, and he uh, so he manifested some sort of you know uh, whatever abilities you you want to call it. But he uh, uh, decided not to use them and instead became a, uh, a park ranger at the Monongahela National Forest. And he uh, sort of decided to make a, a quiet life doing that um so that is where we sort of find him uh when the the story begins the chosen has some like i want to be clear when we're talking about the chosen and that i do not want to set up a this is why i didn't want to do the chosen i don't want to set up a dynamic between your three characters where where duck is the 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 chosen one hero of legend buffy while everybody else is ducks supporting cast right that's i'm certainly how it's designed that is how it's designed um, and i'm not interested in that narratively or like i don't think it's fun for you guys sort of as cuz then you are literally 
you are supporting cast members in this, which I think is 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 not a cool way to do this this show. That said, the the system is is sort of flexible enough that I was able to to not bend the rules and to sort of make uh, a character that like fits this, I think, but is not. Um, uh, you know, the chosen. Just keep in mind when we say the chosen, it, it is a it is a name of the class, not necessarily narratively. Um, well, how we're I'm th- this. I'm thinking about it this way. You were chosen by right. something, and I kind of have an idea of what that could be. Uh, just in the in the world fiction, like I have, I have an idea, but that doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean that you are the only thing that matters. You know what I mean? Like, Duck, it, Duck's not the chosen; he's a, a chosen. chosen. He was he was chosen, um, right? Uh, because so he's, like, so- he's like a high school football star, and somebody was like, "Hey, you're gonna come play in the NFL," and he was like, "No." There's some really we have. I like this idea of, of a chosen. This is like, no, no, no thank you. I mean, that's very, very, very cool from like my perspective because then I have ways of like trying to tempt you into because I, I this is I don't think we we talked about this not going to be like an ongoing like every episode. Ducks like I don't know. Like this is a story about this coming to to a, a head. I want to talk about the moves really, really, really fast just to like highlight a couple of them in Ducks like category because this is like this is what sold the game for me were the playbooks and the special moves because they are so perfectly tailored to hit this this genre uh and try to take the things that you like love about the characters in in this monster of the week genre and turn them into game mechanics so like the chosen has a move called the big entrance where you make a showy entrance into a dangerous situation and if you roll really good everybody has to stop and listen to your speech like it's a (laughs) it's a way of like setting up different scenes in the way that you want them um there's didn't i didn't pick that one okay that sounded like a lot of pressure (laughs) it does sound like a lot of pressure but there's stuff like um you you get a uh, a thing called Destiny's Play thing, where at the beginning of each mystery, you roll uh, 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 some dice, and on a success, you get, like, a vision of the future, uh, which is, like, you know, dreams, like Buffy's dreams of, like, which I think kind of stopped being a thing after, like, season one or two. Um, but, but yeah, there's some really, really... I, that's the kind of, I like, flavor that I gave him... That's a... a that move rolls against a skill called weird um which is basically like magical stuff in this world and uh i took to sort of set the table considering where he has been and what has been happening i actually gave duck a negative one skill in weird so your visions Um, aren't gonna be the best so the visions aren't great because he's like been purposefully out of touch with this side of himself yeah that's cool um can i just say one more thing about this game that i love just to like sell the game as i was reading through it the different classes and stuff. As someone who's like grown up and like fallen in love with all of these different like Monster of the Week kind of shows, like literally every class, I one they give great examples for, but two, like every class I read and was like, oh, I want to play that. Oh, I want to play that. And like the reason I went with Spellslinger is that like one of my favorite book series is the, like the, the Harry Dresden, the Dresden Files, which is also they list this in in yes. in this book as an inspiration. Exactly, and so like I saw that and I was like, oh shit, yeah, this. And so like it's just it's it's such a love note to to Monster of the Week. Kind of, I mean, obviously, but in a way that's like I'm so excited to play. And and match the tone of that and the feeling of it and like ah I'm I'm really yeah. excited about now, this. Now here here's my que- question before we move on and I don't know if this is something we want to do in the first episode 
or not, but there is a mechanic for history in in the game. Um, I, I'm not. This feels like for people sitting around a table playing it, not for a podcast. Uh, which is not to. I I don't mean to sound like I'm diminishing that. It's it's that. I mean, we we can talk about now. This the pushback absolutely. I would I would have against that is that I do think that it's worth coming to a consensus on the relationships of these characters because I don't necessarily sure. want to do another story where we're starting. Yeah. Okay. That's you know, a good. That's probably then. This is a good one. middle ground. I th- I I would assume that you all don't have a relationship with uh, Aubrey just because you're I, not from here necessarily. Well, I would. I was thinking that maybe I when when he was talking about fire. Uh, I was thinking that it might be fun if maybe. Aubrey has tried to use the forest to practice before, and uh, Duck has had to chase her off. So he has like a little bit of a relationship there, um, and I, I thought that was kind of fun. But I don't know if that like jives with with you, Trev. No, I think that we're let's say that it was like uh, on her way to Kepler, like she camped out in the forest one night and was practicing, and and Duck came and reprimanded her and made her dump out her beer, a thing that has happened to me before. In so you're drawing on your real life experiences. <laughs> yeah. uh, I watched it, y'all. It was so sad because <laughs> being drunk and campfires Travis goes had so this well. The grand plan about camping by himself for like a couple days, and when we got there, he was just like dumping out a beer while a ranger looked on disapprovingly. <laughs> it's like you could tell, like, oh, you're not going to be out here for the long haul, huh, Scraps? <laughs> yeah, it was not great. You called me to come up the first night. It gets you... real dark and scary out there, yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I like that. Um, I, I'm I'm curious what the because you all do you live in Ke- does Duck live in Kepler? Yeah. Okay. So I I, I think Duck and uh, Ned well, and, and wait a minute and, and is Duck a a forest ranger? Forest did ranger, you say? Yeah. So he's not going to have that much. I mean, right? I mean, wouldn't he be at the station most of the time? The what do you mean? The forest station. I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, but he lives like, in he lives in. Well, Kepler. and then you he have to worry about like Kepler. if you're not there, it's deforestation. Jesus, Travis, I well, think it's fun if if he and uh, if he and Ned are are friends. I I think that that's something we. I would have. love that so much more than they kind of dislike each other. No, I think it, I think it's kind of, like they're complimentary people, but I I think that like it makes sense that they would be they would be friendly. And I think that brings a nice dichotomy because if if Ned is kind of a shady somewhat crooked character and Duck is the is kind of an authority figure, it has kind of a nice feel to it, kind mm-hmm. of. I I would like to play with knowing, I mean, I I think it's interesting, right? Because this game has this mechanic of everybody knows each other. Which is weird to try to force into it, but I do like this idea, especially considering that um, that Ned has some sort of shady background. I, I don't know what the connection is yet, but if there is something where maybe in his previous existence, Aubrey has encountered him before. If you like that and Dad likes that, let's do that and yeah. literally stop now and don't say yeah. anything else to try to like firm it up. But you know something about Ned's history that maybe you don't even know but you know it like i think that could be something great i have a little something too and this might not be something you, you may want to i don't know if you want this in there but what if something in the cryptonomica triggers aubrey's powers i mean something triggers aubrey's powers in episode okay. one uh and there's 
there's a big thing that I haven't really talked about yet that is sort of like the reason why monsters are here that is probably okay. going to fill that need. And, but I mean, it's all connected. Like the things in the Cryptonomica are also kind of from this source. Also, Justin, do you want to talk about the cool connection we thought of for the Cryptonomica? Yeah, you, you, uh, you also have my weapon. The Chosen gets a weapon. And you have my weapon. And I, and I maybe I gave it to you because like it seemed like the safest thing because you deal and stuff like this. Hide in plain like, sight. Yeah, that you could sort of keep it, you know, <laughs> safe for me. Um, this, is, and- this is a big thing for the Chosen and that you, like, build a weapon from a form and a business end and a material. Um, and oh. I, I don't know if Justin's firmed that up yet, but I love the oh, idea. Oh, yeah, I did. What oh, is yeah, it? It rules. What is it? What? Okay, I guess we don't have no. to talk about it. No, no, no. You want me to tell you about the weapon? Or no, you want me no, to, no. To wait to the we'll, show? S- we'll save it. We'll save okay. it. Okay, shit, because I just thought of, like, what had been my plan for Aubrey and the thing? Okay, I have a way to connect Ned and Aubrey that I will tell Dad about later. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show Dad the video of my weapon after. Okay, there's a video. Right. Okay, so I guess I think that's about it. I think that's all that you really need to know. Um, if if I think the playbooks are free, a free, a free resource. If you are interested in Monster of the Week, you can go check those out and sort of get an idea of like what the different stuff is. But I'm really excited about this game. You can read ours in about five minutes if you're interested in a little more context. You can read the playbooks for our characters. Yeah. Uh, just the three of ours. Um, it's going to be really... It's going to be... I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm nervous about it because there's a lot... It, it, I cannot prepare as much as I prepared in balance. The game will not work if I try to make things follow a, a path the same way that I kind of tried to make it do in D&D. This is a game where things are going to go wrong constantly, and we all have to like improvise together to figure out where it goes next, um, which is cool for me in a, like, it's not going to be as hard to prep this stuff, but it's also going to be a little bit tougher to make sure that things have like satisfying conclusions and cohesive narrative arcs and stuff like that but um i'm so 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 excited to get started uh which is gonna be next thursday um yeah anything else y'all want to talk about before we uh hop off here well dr harris bonkers attended vassar (laughs) (laughs) okay hats off to michael sands by the way the writer the creator of most of the week this is and our our friends at at evil hat productions who uh also uh, we're involved with the fate system too. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful game. Um, and there's there's a lot of really really cool powered by the apocalypse games uh, that I was interested in in doing. But this one seems like such a like this one seems Maybe like we'll s- dip back into one of those. Yeah, it, it would be nice to not have to start from square one every time mechanically. This I, one- I actually I was telling Griffin before we recorded. I really like this system. I might end up doing my arc in it. Um, maybe not Monster of the Week, like a, a Powered by the Apocalypse style system. But if if you uh, if you didn't love the Stolen Century, I would encourage you to give these episodes a shot because I, while I did try to model those rules after that, I, it was not nearly as fleshed out or codified as these rules are. To wit, like I didn't necessarily do a great job handling like mixed successes, which is a really interesting thing in this system where, yeah, you get to do the thing, but there's a cost in this game. Like the costs are laid out and very, very interesting. Uh, there's well, a lot that's of, one of more the things I love. Cause like the investigative situation, right? It, you can't just say like, like you can't ask like, why is that you have, there are specific, yeah. there's this like loose specificity to this game that I really love. And it's, it is perfect for, 
what we're trying to do. Like, it's perfect for uh, playing a game, but also creating a story that you are presenting to other people, which is such a tricky needle to thread. And as much as I love D&D, like, that was a thing that we bumped into a, a lot because those rules are not necessarily made for... Um, what like third person presentation to other people um but i think these rules are gonna fit that a lot better i think it sounds awesome i can't wait let's start now all right no we're gonna it's go a dark to... and stormy night <laughs> <laughs> it might be but you'll have to wait till next and week to find all out. the shit was so creepy and weird everything oh, was really no. weird and then things got stranger and stranger bye everybody MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.